Reading from Second Canto, Chapter One, Text Twenty. Om, uh, translation for a fourth question for Prabhupada. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Rajasthamubhyamachittam vimudham mana atmanam yachitharanayatiram antijatakritam One's mind is always agitated by passionate mode of material nature, bewildered by ignorance. But one can rectify such conceptions by relating to Vishnu and thus becoming pacified by cleansing the dirty things created by those modes. So Prabhupada says, persons generally conducted by the modes of passion and ignorance cannot be bona fide candidates uh, to be situated in the transcendental stage of God realization. Only persons conducted by the mode of goodness can have knowledge of the supreme truth. The effects of the passion and ignorant mode manifest by too much hankering after wealth and women. And those too much after wealth and women can rectify their leanings only by constant remembrance of Vishnu potential impersonal feature. Generally, the impersonalists or monists are influenced by the modes of passion and ignorance. Such impersonalists think of themselves as liberated souls, but they have no knowledge of the transcendental personal feature of the absolute truth. Actually, they are impure in heart and account. They are impure in heart, being devoid of knowledge of the absolute personal feature. Bhagavad Gita states that after many hundreds of births, the impersonal philosopher surrenders unto the personality of Godhead uh, to acquire such a qualification of God realization in the personal future. And they find impersonalist is given a chance to realize the Lord's relation in everything by the philosophy of pantheism. Pantheism in its higher status does not permit the student to form an impersonal conception of the absolute truth, but extends to the, the conception of the absolute truth unto the, into the field of the so-called material energy. Everything created by the material energy can be dovetailed with the absolute by an attitude of service, the essential part of living energy. The pure devotee of the Lord knows the art of converting everything into its spiritual existence by the service attitude and only in that devotional way can the theory of pantheism be perfected. Very interesting. So the soul's mind, literally the mind of the soul, is bewildered in wisdom. And it is akshiptam, agitated, literally thrown by passion and ignorance. Etida, Prabhupada often translates as a sober person. The pacifier here probably translates. The dira should restrain the mind by dharana, by this spiritual practice of holding the mind in the truth, and 
And Krishna says, Krishna says, Jehi, indeed, those samsparsha jaboga, those enjoyments, those bogas, which are born, job born of samsparsha, contact between the senses and their objects. So those bogas that are born of that contact, ironically, Krishna says, dukkha they're actually the sources of our suffering. So the very contacts, like, I want to be here, or I want to possess that person, or I want to possess whatever. I mean, the very, the very bogas that we see by bringing our senses into contact with different objects are actually the cause of our suffering. Quite ironic. Jehi samsvarsa jaboga dukkha yonaya. Yonaya is just the plural of yoni. Yoni means womb, but also it means source. Yoni. Plural yonaya. Dukkha yonaya. The source is misery. Actually, dukkha yonaya evate. Adyanta, adyanta vanta konteya. Konteya, these uh, contacts, adi anta vanta, they have vanta, it's a plural of van, like Bhagavan, and vanta is just a plural. They have an adi, the beginning, and an end, anta. Adi anta vanta. They have a beginning and an end. Na, na, teshu, in them, ramate buddha, intelligent person, seeks pleasure. An intelligent person does not seek pleasure in that which has an adi and an anta, a beginning and an end. Adi, anta, vanta, there. Simple, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Na, teshu, Ramate, Ramate, to enjoy it, like the word Rama, source of pleasure. The Teshu Ramate Buddha, with one D here, Buddha. An intelligent person does not seek pleasure in them. Because they have a beginning and an end, those contacts, samsparsha, jaboga, those bogas, those enjoyments which are born of samsparsha, contact with the material world. And uh, they're actually the sources of our suffering. We are suffering simply because of our attempts to enjoy. And instead of trying to enjoy this world in all its glory, instead of trying to enjoy this world, if we simply tried to please Krishna, we would never suffer. So it's funny that our attempts to enjoy cause our suffering. I always give this example. When I was a kid, uh, of course, they didn't have CDs or even cassettes or anything. They just had vinyl records and uh, like the hit song. And, and albums weren't. I mean, there were albums, but for the young people, it was mostly singles. Albums came later, actually, with um, show groups like the Beatles. You know, albums became the big band. But other popular singers. I was. A, but uh, when I was young, it was used by singles. People would buy albums that much. And there were albums. Some people bought them, but not young people. So we'd go to the record store. There's one record store in Culver Center near the temple. And I would see, like, the top 40. They had, like, a whole display of all the top 40 songs. And uh, there was a 45 in the big hall in the middle. 45. 
And so every once in a while my mother would let me buy one. And um, of course there would be a, a flip side you had to buy. You couldn't just buy the song you wanted. You had to buy both songs. Often the other song was... Occasionally there were two hits, but most of the time you, you wouldn't have bought the other one. But you had to take it. It's like heads and tails were coined. You had to buy the flip side also. And so it's like that if you... Anyway, I wasn't just going to go on talking about records, but the point is that if we take the material enjoyment, you have to buy the suffering. You own it. If you grab the enjoyment, you own the suffering. It's yours. And, and you're going to suffer because you own it. So every material enjoyment that we take, not that it comes with its own accord. Krishna says in the Gita, there's, there's a subtle difference here. Krishna says, Yadrachalava Once we fully satisfied Santushta with lava, gain, which comes yadracha of its own accord. So if I'm trying to serve Krishna, and I just happen to, Krishna just happens to give me some nice situation, and I really didn't try for it, my, my motive really wasn't to enjoy, just that's what, that's what Krishna gave me, then that does not cause a reaction, because we're not trying to enjoy, we're trying to serve. I feel that way actually here. And I've come to this place. It's a beautiful place. And I can honestly say that my real desire and my real prayer was to please Krishna. And that Krishna put me here. And it's a beautiful place. And we have a good life here. But I, I really don't feel that I'm going to suffer if you know, Krishna takes me somewhere else. It's not like we become attached and when you're ripped away from that attachment, it's like, you know, it's like ripping electric tape off your hairy arm or something. <laughs> so, in this particular case, I did really try as hard as I could to understand what would please Krishna. And at least in regard to this place, which is actually Oregon for posterity, at least in regard to this place, I feel that there, it, is a, it is a nice place and we're happy here. And I don't really feel any fear of loss. I just happen to be here now. It's a very nice situation. If Krishna sends me somewhere else, then I'll be somewhere else. So, in our relationships with other people, we really are, are, we have to intensely seek Krishna's happiness in every situation. So that within, in my relationship with another person, I have to really focus on pleasing Krishna. And if we really try to please Krishna in a relationship, whatever kind of relationship it may be, it won't be a cause of suffering to us. Because we're just trying to please Krishna. As soon as I want to enjoy that relationship, it well becomes a typical relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone here is old enough to know what relationships are about in this world. 
disappointment, frustration. That song by the Shields, you cheated, you lied, you said that you loved me. So, any question on these points? That's the that's the yachit. I mean, to restrain the mind means to draw the mind into Krishna's service because it's so wonderful. It's active. It's dynamic. It's fun. It's just serving Krishna. It's a project. It's a mission. And we can just just put all of our heart and soul and all of our energy into our devotional service and just try as hard as we can to do something nice for Krishna by serving his pure devotees to the but trying to advance his mission. And if, we're, if that's what we're trying to do, if we have the problem always emphasize just keep busy in Krishna's service, then there's no devil's workshop. And then dharaniya, by dharana, so we remain firm, focused, dedicated to our service, then we are holding the mind on the spiritual platform. That is dharana, and that holding pattern in spiritual consciousness destroys the contamination which was formed by, made by passion and ignorance. So we have different emotions inside of us. We react in different ways or conditioning because of our childhood or previous lives or this or that. We react emotionally in different ways. These reactions are not always rational or objective or enlightened. They're just emotion, conditioned emotional reactions. And so the more we try to please Krishna, the more we try to please Krishna, that's what I'm trying to do. Why am I in this or that or whatever relationship? And, you know, whatever kind of, whether it's friendship or this or that. I'm trying to please Krishna. For Krishna's pleasure, I'm trying to work with another spirit soul. It's also part of Krishna. And if that's always our motive, or at least we're cultivating, we're, we're trying to develop that motive, then we'll always be happy. And we won't uh, have to get a room, as Elvis said, at Heartbreak Hotel. Krishna in our relationships? By remembering him. And after all, our relationships should be for devotional service. And so in whatever relationship, I really try to act in a way that pleases Krishna. I try to behave and act in a way that's pleasing to Krishna. And my goal, because, I mean, there's intentionality when we do things. We have intentions. And so, in relationships, am I trying to show off? Am I trying to enjoy? Am I trying to fulfill my emotional needs? What am I trying to do? Or am I really trying to please Krishna? Like Krishna, 
in this relationship, in my words, in my deeds, and all that I do, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to please you. I'm hoping you'll be happy with my conduct. And that's my intention. It's like they say in yoga classes, fix your intention. So, if our intention is, uh, in a particular relationship, I want to please Krishna, I want Krishna to be the center of it, and I'm really trying to please Krishna, then no one can break my heart. Because I'm trying to please Krishna. That's what I'm trying to do. If I was trying to be loved, and then it turned out I wasn't loved as much as I wanted to be loved, or in the way that I wanted to be loved, and then we start singing all the, you know, the radio songs. <laughs> There's a vacancy in Heartbreak Hotel. So, because our, my intention was to get something, not to give something. And also, it's not just giving to prime the pump. It's like, I give to another person hoping they'll give back to me. Like, I want to create gratitude in that person. And so therefore, my intention really is to take. It's like you take out a client to lunch. It's not selfless. It's not just altruistic. I want to close a deal. I want, I want my client to get out his little checkbook and his pen. Sign. So, giving to get is not giving. It's just a tactic for getting. And then all those stories like, I gave you so much. And look what you did. You spit on my Birkenstocks. You know, it's... <laughs> which is a typical complaint we hear. <laughs> because when I give to get, and then, hey, wait a second, I gave to get, and you took what I gave, and you didn't give back. Foul. You know, we cry foul. And we're, how could you do this to me? I gave to get back. And where is it? Whereas in pure Krishna consciousness, I give to please Krishna. Because everyone is part of Krishna. And so why do I love myself? Why do I love anyone? Because everyone is part of Krishna. And so I'm giving not to get, I'm giving to give. It's like Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita, charity and a lot of goodness, or we call it charity, but we're literally giving, dhanam. And he says, Sharing a lot of goodness means that the person, the giver, is thinking, it's the right thing to do. It should be given. It's, it's right to give. And it's given to someone who's not going to give back. So this giving to get back, either financially or emotionally, Giving to get back is in the mode of passion. And giving to give, because it's the right thing to do, is goodness. Most Christians say that uh, 
put down on himself to become expert on that uh, giving is in goodness to the right person at the right time. And, and Krishna specifically says not to get something back, yanupakarine. Not to get back. That is the real giving. And somehow that we can find in our heart that pure charity. We can find in our heart that pure giving. And we do it for Krishna's pleasure. We know Krishna's pleased. We become invulnerable. No one can hurt us. No one can disappoint us. Because I'm doing everything ultimately for Krishna. And he's omniscient. He knows everything. And Krishna always perfectly reciprocates with everyone, as he says in the Gita. Precisely. Krishna reciprocates. So if my intention is to please Krishna, no one can hurt me, no one can disappoint me. You become invulnerable. You become emotionally invulnerable. No one can hurt you. We only become vulnerable when we're, when we're trying to grab something. It's like if you follow the law, you know, the police can't touch you. But as soon as you break the law, you're vulnerable. We are emotionally vulnerable because we're breaking the law. Just like you're legally vulnerable. And people that don't break the law are not legally vulnerable. And people that emotionally don't violate the principle of doing everything for Krishna, they're emotionally invulnerable. They have feelings, but they can't be hurt. No one can hurt them. They're powerful. You can give and give without danger of being hurt. I'm just thinking that often people... Say your People have, um, in order not to be hurt and not to be vulnerable, they don't disclose deepest feelings and emotions, because that's where they are mostly... Well, we should disclose our deepest feelings and emotions to appropriate persons, but again, in the spirit of trying to please Krishna. Even such an intimate act as disclosing one's feelings should be done in that spirit. That act is not different than the other act. If it's done, as Krishna says, the right time and place, the right person, and with the right intention, then you can't be hurt. Because a lot of times we disclose our emotions because we just desperately want someone. I need you to understand me. I want you to sympathize with me. I want you to care about me. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm revealing my mind. And then the, other than the person, you know, you expose yourself and the person just like, you know, drives a truck over you. So, every act should be done to please Krishna, including revelations, self-revelation. I'm just trying to think of the situation where a person did whatever, did something wrong and regretted and disclosed their wrongdoing to somebody whom they trust in, and then that person reveals that to somebody else who's hurting, who's, you know... I well, know. disclosing your wrongdoing is obviously a tricky thing, because many people 
can't hold it in, you know, they, it's just too juicy. They're going to tell someone. And of course, everyone who breaks confidence with you makes their listener swear that they won't tell anyone. And that new person who's in front of the confidence will, of course, only tell a few people. And so, after everyone has only told a few people, and then by the time it gets, you know, a few steps down the road, even the vow of confidence is no longer required. It just becomes a general news item. Therefore, one has to exercise caution. Because after all, I'm revealing my mind for Krishna. And I'm revealing my mind to please Krishna. And therefore, I should make sure I do that services. As much as if you're cooking a chutney for the deities, you should cook it right. So if I'm revealing my mind, I'd be just as careful to do it right. Right person, right circumstances. And someone I know that I can trust, and if I'm not sure that I can trust that person, maybe I should uh, wait. We should reveal it to Krishna. If you're not sure, you know, if you're not sure who, can, who will keep your confidence, then go tell the deity, tell Prabhupada. Fortunate to have a friend you can trust that you can tell that person. Too much in this world, you know, I promise I won't tell anyone means. I'll only tell them to you like best friends. That's Krishna. Reciprocate us. Reciprocate with us? Reciprocate with us only through other people? No, he reciprocates through just in every way. What happens to you in your life is a reciprocation. Krishna is not limited to this or that. He can do things in whatever way he wants to do them. Well, that was done here. So, we'll uh, do that.